it is. I'm, I miss being up. All right, ladies and gentlemen, good morning to everybody. We are going to start the service today with a, not just a baby dedication, but with a double baby dedication. So this is a special thing. This is Gus and Ashley Trevino. This is a wonderful, wonderful couple and uh, just such a blessing to me personally. And the, their family is all spread out here today, big family. This is their uh, son, Jackson. Jackson, this is Jackson Wayne, and this is Maverick Javier. And so Jackson and Javier, we want to dedicate you to the Lord today and ask God's blessings on your life. But Gus, before we do that, I want to pray. And do you, I've known this guy for a long time. Do you make a commitment today to be the best father that you can be for these two guys? And to teach him the ways of God and bring him to the church, you make that commitment. And Ashley, I know you're already a great mom, but in front of your church family today, do you make a fresh commitment to be the best mom you can be and bring these fellas to church and teach them about God? Yes. And I know your family is going to do your part, and we want to do our part to be a good influence on these two boys. And so, Jackson, we got to pray for you, buddy. No, don't leave now. He's going to be a good member of our church, right? Here comes the preacher, and there he goes right there. But I want us to pray for Jackson and Maverick that God would bless these guys. Father, I thank you today for Gus and Ashley and for all their family. And Lord, today we especially thank you for Jackson, and we thank you for little Maverick. I pray these boys will be healthy and strong all the days of their lives. I pray at a young and understanding age they'll come to know Jesus in a personal way. And we just pray your blessings on them. I pray even now, I know it's a long way off, but I pray for the girls they'll marry, that at the right time, Lord, you would just cause their paths to cross. Be with Gus and Ashley and all the family. Give them the wisdom they need. It's our prayer in Jesus' name. And all the people said, amen. amen. Let's congratulate this family and let them know we're proud of them today. Let's get Would you stand with us, please? The good news is this. Jesus Christ has come to save the world. Joy to the world.
be seated, please. Amen and amen. It's good to see you guys in church on this first Sunday of December. It's always an exciting time. I want to present to you today the singing Christmas tree. How does it look? Uh, they got that up last Sunday afternoon. And so if you have not gotten your tickets, the tree begins this week, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday afternoon, and Sunday night. And uh, I encourage you not only to get your tickets and be here, but this is a great opportunity. We talk about inviting our friends to come to church our family members to come to church. This may be the easiest thing we do all year uh, to invite people. And so we just look forward to the tree. We want to pray for Jimmy and for Chris, for all the music people, the orchestra and the choir and the drama, that it would just be a great, uh, a great weekend and that many people will be saved this year at the Singing Christmas Tree. Also, and we're going to make a bigger deal out of this in the second service because that's where our students are, but I think it's important that we know this. Of course, here at First Baptist, we have, our, we have a school, First Baptist Christian Academy from pre-K, from three years old all the way up through seniors in high school. It's a great school, fully accredited school, over 500 students. Dr. Robert White is now leading that uh, school. He's in the service. He and his wife are here today doing such a tremendous job. We have just a great staff. But anyway, this past Friday, this past Thursday, our football team uh, went to Waco for the state championship game. And even though we lost the game, we came in second in the entire state of Texas. And so we're proud of that. And, uh, and though many of those guys that played on that team will be in the second service and the coaches will be in that service. But if you see any of them, I think it's important that we know that today just to uh, congratulate them. And they had just a tremendous, tremendous season and uh, just lost the other night to a better team, I guess, this year, but we're just so proud of them. Well, the other thing I want to say today is to those of you who are visiting here, and maybe for, your, maybe for the first time, or maybe you've been here lots of times, but you haven't joined First Baptist yet, we're certainly glad that you're here today. And guests, we ask you, if you picked up a bulletin on the way in, take that bulletin, find the place that says guest information, take just a few minutes and fill that out. And then on the way out today, drop it in one of the Giving Center boxes. We just want you to know that we're glad you're here. You can always take your phone and text the word CONNECT to a number that there is there on the screen. We just want to get to know who you are and, and uh, make a connection with you and do everything we can to welcome you to First Baptist. And if it's God's will for you to be here part of our church family, we hope it would be, then we would be thrilled for that. So members, could we give our guests a hand, let them know we're glad they're here today. One other thing, one other thing that I'm going to pray and, uh, and we'll continue singing. My dad's preaching today. He said, John, make it quick. I want to have plenty of time today to do my sermon. But uh, not really. But I do want to tell you this. You know, a few weeks ago we had the baptism service. And all those people got baptized that day. And several came forward in this service and in the second service who could not physically be baptized. And, you know, we always talk about when we obey the Lord and try to do the right thing in God's eyes, that not only are we blessed, but other people are blessed. There is a ripple effect to our obedience. I was on the phone yesterday with a longtime member of our church. She's 89 years old. And she said, John, I can't hardly come to the services as much as I would want to. But she said, I was watching at home that day online and I saw all those people being baptized. And she said, I saw the ones who couldn't physically get in the water and how y'all baptized them on the front row. And she said, when I was 12 years old, I got saved. She said, but John, I'll be honest with you, I can't remember if I ever got baptized. And she said, when I saw all those people getting baptized, I said to myself, I can do what they did. 
And so today, her family is bringing her to the 11 o'clock service, and an 89-year-old lady is going to get baptized in the next service today. And so it's just so good that I wanted to share that in this service today. And I just, you know, as we begin the Christmas month, we think about the birth of Jesus and what he means to us. I encourage you this month to keep your focus on Jesus. You know, we will buy a lot of gifts for our family and friends this year and and we'll receive gifts. Hopefully we'll receive some gifts this year from our family and friends. But we need to remember this. The greatest gift that, that we could ever give or the greatest gift that we could ever receive is the gift of Jesus Christ. And I just encourage you this month, focus on Him. Be thankful to God for Him. He is God Himself living in our hearts in the person of the Holy Spirit. And it's His birthday that we celebrate this month. And so, Father, we just thank You. For Jesus, I thank you today, God, that through our faith and trust in him, that we are alive spiritually, we're forgiven, we're saved, and we're on our way to heaven. And I just pray, God, that even as we kind of kick off the Christmas month this morning, that uh, you would just help us to put our full focus and our full faith in the person of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. And all the people said, amen. Amen. You know, there is a prayer that's been prayed down through the centuries. It was prayed by the Israelites when they were seeking a Messiah. It's prayed when you received Christ, you were praying for salvation, you prayed. And it's also prayed as we seek a returning king to come back. But the, my favorite thing about this prayer is we can pray it every day. And the prayer is this, come Jesus, set your people free. Let's stand and sing together today. Come thou long expected Jesus.
That's our prayer this morning. Come and fill this place with your Holy Spirit. Speak to our hearts today, God, and let us hear your word just like Mary did and answer like she did. Anoint our pastor as he speaks this morning. Open our hearts to hear your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated, please. All right. Well, it feels kind of like Christmas. Could I have an amen to that? Oh, great. Well, listen, before I get into my sermon this morning, they tell me we need to vote on the 2023 church budget. We generally try to say we're going to do that on the first Sunday of December. Sometimes we get it on schedule. Sometimes we get a little late. But anyway, uh, I hope you've picked up one of these little budget brochures. We've had them. We still have them in the welcome centers as you go out or member services. And uh, if you've not picked one up, I hope you will. And our of course, a long process to put in all this together, and I'm not going through that whole process, but finance committee has meetings and staff presents their stuff. And then once we get all of that put together, long story short, we go to the deacons and uh, present it to them. They don't actually get involved in voting on the budget. They affirm the budget, and if they see something they think needs to be looked at again, they'll send it back to the finance committee. But none of that happened this year. But be that as it may, our proposed 2023 operating budget is $7,800,000. And so I'm just going to say that the uh, Finance Committee is recommending that. The deacons are affirming that in a moment. I'm going to ask you to say an amen to that. But before you say an amen to that, I want you to know what you're doing. You're saying you're going to do your part in it. Don't vote. Say, I think that's a great budget. Preacher needs to give all that money. Well, I wish I could give all that money. But here's the deal. All of us together, we've been together in January for 33 years. And in all these years, I've learned over and over and over that it's just the regular people in the church, people like you, people like me, that are faithful in their tithes and offerings every, every week. And the truth of the matter is, even though we'll officially vote on the budget this morning, we actually vote on the budget every week. And we do that every time you give your gift to the church. That's a vote for your church. It's a vote to help us do what God's called us to do. And, and it, you know, you can look at the bulletin and see God's people do what God's people are taught in God's Word to do. And I want to say to you, thank you in advance for what you've done all these past years. Thank you for what you're doing this year. We do need to have a good December giving. Now, we do need to do that, and we always do. And we'll finish up the year in great shape and be ready to move into the new year, trusting God, believing where God guides, God provides. So if you join with the finance committee, the deacons, the pastor of the church, and say, you know, we want to do our part, and we are going to adopt the budget. We let the enemy saying, amen. As a week, amen. I think we're going to have a bad January's giving. I don't know. But uh, I think we'll perk up and do five. But Father God, you know, we have to do what we have to do. But uh, we do need a budget. It's a roadmap. And uh, we've adjusted for COVID. We've adjusted for a lot of things through the years. We adjusted through all the years of the building program to have a balance between paying off the loan, and now we just praise you. We don't owe a penny. All these buildings are paid for. And because of that, we're able to give to beyond the walls of this church in ways that we wouldn't be able to give if we were trying to pay a bank on a loan. We just bless you. We don't have that. But I pray, God, that you'll bless us as we journey through this month. I pray, God, we'd have a good month of December giving. I pray, God, maybe this month we might have some really extra large gifts. Sometimes they just come like a gift from heaven. 
And they enable us to do beyond anything we've even thought we could do. And I'm praying that. But I pray your blessings on each giver. Not only today, but every day as we get gifts at the church every day through the week. And God, I I just pray that you'll always give us wisdom to be good stewards of what you give. But we thank you so much for the opportunity, God, of being obedient in giving. And we thank you for the way you bless us when we are. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Now, could I have an amen to that? Let's just amen, God. We know God is good to us, is he not? And that would be a good sermon, but I have another sermon this morning. So if you get your bulletin, and now we're not ready to fill in the blanks yet, but we will be in a little bit. Uh, We're in for what I think will be a fun, fun time today. You know, one of my favorite Christmas stories, and I'm sure you have yours, but one of my favorite Christmas stories is Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. In fact, I have a little book this morning. Interestingly, our grandchildren were spending the weekend with us, and Charlie Joe, uh, I didn't know this, nor did she know I was going to be talking about the Christmas Carol in my sermon, but I noticed this morning this book was laying uh, like in our, in our kitchen well, along with some of other stuff, and I asked Dottie, I said, where did this come from? She said, well, Charlie Joe's having to read this in school. And I said, well, that's interesting. I'm using that in my sermon this morning. I love the story of Christmas Carol. You know, it's an old, old story. Charles Dickens wrote the Christmas Carol, a Christmas Carol. He wrote it in 1843. Now, that's a long time ago. You say, how long ago is that? Well, (laughs) two years before Texas became part of the Union. Texas became part of the Union in 1845. Well, Dickens wrote A Christmas Carol in 1843. This won't interest many of you, but it will some of us. Baylor University was founded in 1845. See, I told you it wouldn't interest you. (laughs) Well, that's two years after this was written. I'll tell you a real boring one. Southern Baptists were organized in 1845. I got a zero interest in that. Well, that's still to you. I'm telling you, this is an old, old story. It's, it's about Ebenezer Scrooge and his miraculous transformation. You know, in all these baby dedications we've done all these many years, I don't recall ever having a baby named Ebenezer Scrooge. But I know some adults that should have been. <laughs> yeah, I hope you're not one of them. But that's what this is about. Now, as old as it is, like every December, and Dottie and I have done it many, many years, we, people go to theaters to see this on stage. We see it on the screen. It, it's, just, it's just a very, a very solid story. It's one of my very favorite. But now listen carefully. It's not my favorite Christmas story. It's one of my favorites, but it's not my number one favorite Christmas story. My favorite Christmas story is the story of the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, listen, you talk about a Christmas carol being old, 179 years old is how old this is. (laughs) Let me tell you about the Christmas story, the birth of Jesus. 2,000, at least 2,722 years old. Now, that's old. It was first told by God's mouthpiece, Isaiah, 
Listen to this. About 700 years before the birth of Christ. In Isaiah chapter 7, you can read it later in verse 14. Isaiah gave that prophecy about the birth of the Messiah, the birth of Christ. Then, about 700 years later, give or take, an angel told Joseph the Christmas story. Interesting. And then a little before that, the angel Gabriel told Mary the Christmas story. And so what we're going to do this morning, we're going to look at what I think is probably your favorite Christmas story as well. In the Gospel of Matthew, if you'll open your Bible to Matthew chapter number 1, and let me just say as a matter of information, and you just some things we just need to know. You know, when we think about the Bible, the Word of God, like where do you read the Christmas story? Where do you read the birth of Jesus Christ in the Bible? Well, really, in Matthew and in Luke, Mark, you ought to remember this, Mark never has anything to say about the birth of Christ. The Gospel of John has one verse, John chapter 1, verse 14, says the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory full of grace and truth. That's, that's His in one verse, that's His Christmas story. But in Matthew, what we have in Matthew, we really have a record of the big picture of the birth of Jesus Christ. If someone said, just, I just want to know, it, it's just kind of like if this Christmas carol, I was telling Charlie Joe this morning, I said, Charlie Joe, just tell your teacher in one simple sentence what this story is about. It's about a man named Ebenezer Scrooge and his miraculous transformation, period. Now, you, it takes you longer to read the book than that, but that's it. Now, in Matthew, we just have a big picture of the birth of Christ. In Luke, an angel told Mary some more details about how this was going to happen. And we're going to look at that this morning. So let's look in Matthew. And I'm reading today from the New Living Translation. And let me just simply say this. There's no one translation I could read from that everybody has because there's just so many translations. But in my daily Bible reading, I read from the New Living Translation. I normally preach from the New King James because you can follow easier. But you, you, I, this may interest you, it may not. So far, the other things that I thought would didn't. But anyway, my sermon today evolved out of just my daily Bible reading. In other words, I didn't sit down one day and say, now I've got to get up a sermon about Christmas on the first Sunday in December. Well, you know, that's one way to get up a sermon. I'll tell you when a better sermon develops is when the preacher's just reading the Bible, not looking for a sermon, just looking at what God says, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit illumines something that just jumps up off the page. And I'm going to show that to you this morning. For I saw something that I never had quite seen exactly as God showed me, and I want to show it to you this morning. But first, let's just read in Matthew, in chapter number 1, in verse number 18. Now, this is how the Holy Spirit of God inspired Matthew to tell what happened about the birth of Christ. He says, this is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. Now, your old translations say betrothed. 
You know, engagement in this particular time, not like engagement today. Engagement in these days was exactly like marriage with one exception, no sexual relationships, not until marriage. But otherwise, it was exactly the same. Like you couldn't just nonchalantly end an engagement. You had to actually go through a divorce process. And some of your translations will explain that. So she was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man, did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. So the angel told Joseph, the child's sex, he's going to be a boy. He's going to be a son. Told him the child's name, his name going to be Jesus. And he also told Joseph the child's mission, what the child was going to do. He'll save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's Isaiah's prophecy in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Now, verse 27 says, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Now, that's Matthew's record of the Christmas story. Now, before all this took place, an angel told Mary the Christmas story. And turn over in Luke, if you will, in Luke chapter 1, and we're going to look down in verse number 26. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee. Let me just stop quick and say a word about Nazareth. If I were going to sum up Nazareth in two words, those words would be remarkably unremarkable. That would sum up Nazareth. Nazareth's a little village. We go there on our Holy Land trips most of the time. But in this day, the Romans had a military garrison in this little village. And the Jewish people looked on it as really like an unclean place. It was looked kind of down on. Well, that's where, that's where Mary lived. And this angel came to this virgin Mary, and she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Do not be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. Now look carefully in your Bible. The angel said, you will conceive. Now look, she's not yet conceived. She's not yet pregnant. 
by the Holy Spirit. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will. This is all going to happen later. You will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, Mary did what you would have done. What I would have done, she responded with a question to all this. She asked the angel, how can this be? I'm a virgin. Honest question. Well, the angel responded. The angel replied, said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and so the baby to be born will be holy and will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. Now, here's the verse. Watch this. For the word of God will never fail. In many of your translations, uh, you, you, you find that. For nothing is impossible with God. Many times you hear people say that. You know, the Bible says nothing's impossible with God. Here's where they get that in the Bible. You ought to mark it in your Bible if you have that translation. But then... I want you to look in verse 38. This is what I saw I'd never seen. Mary responded, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Then the angel left her. Now in your translation, it may be, verse 38, let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me according to your word. You know, I looked at that. I thought about that. The angel had revealed the plan to Mary. And here's the deal. This is what I'd never thought about. (laughs) Actually, she had a choice. Now, here's what she chose. Let it be to me according to your word. Or may everything you've said about me come true. Just in a nutshell, her word was yes. The angel said, this is God's plan. And how did she respond? She responded, let it be to me according to your word. She responded, yes. Okay. But here's what I've never thought about. Maybe you have. She could have responded, no. I'd never thought about that. I read that verse. Let it be to me according to your word. In this translation, may everything you've said about me come true. She had just heard the plan of God, and now what she says, okay, I've got it. This is God's plan for me. My answer, okay, yes, let it be according to God's plan, according to God's word. But she could have said no, because why? Because at this moment, she was not pregnant. She was not ready to have a child. Now, take your bulletin. I want you to quickly fill in the blanks, and then I want to talk about some things that I see from this that apply to you and to me now. You know, as I think about this, if you just jot it down, God's plan for Mary did not happen. I wish you'd write that down in your bulletin. And before the word, before the word, uh, happen, I wish you'd maybe put a little, some kind, put the word just, J-U-S-T. It, it becomes clear in a moment, but of course, God's plan for Mary did happen, but it didn't just happen. Now you say, well, what are you talking about? Well, God's plan for Mary was offered. This is what I'm talking about. Mary could have said no. 
See, God offered her a plan by the words from an angel. That's what angels are. They're God's messengers. So here comes a word from God through an angel. It was offered to her, but it was not like one day God just said to her, okay, this is my plan. Boom, you're now pregnant. No, that's not how God works. Now let's go to the second little thing. Not once in human history, now think about this, not one time in human history has God forced himself on humanity. Now think with me. God has plans, but he never forces his plans on humanity. You say, what does he do? He, he offers himself. He offers his plans. And, and let's just finish filling the blank. God offers his plans to us basically in his word. God offers his plans in his word. And just as it was for Mary, the choice is ours. I'd never I'd never connected all that in the Christmas story. Perhaps you have. See, God has plans. He had one for Mary. <laughs> he offered it to Mary through the angel. And what did she do? She said, yes. Let it be to me according to your word. She said, okay, that's God's plan. I'm going to obey God's plan. My answer is yes, but her answer could have been no. God never makes people do anything. As I think about that, I just think about people in the Bible. I jotted down a few. Like, for example, Adam and Eve. God had a plan for Adam and Eve. He placed them in the garden. He gave them everything they needed. He, they, they had his unusual presence. One prohibition. What did they do? They said no to God's plan. And they paid for it. And let me tell you what else. We're paying for it. Because the sin nature passed on to every person born. We're, we come into this world. We're conceived with a sin nature. Because why? Because Adam and Eve said no to God's plan. I think about Moses. God had a plan for Moses. He told Moses one day, he said, Moses, the people want water. What I want you to do, I want you to speak to this rock. And when you speak to the rock, water will come gushing forth. You remember what Moses did? He took a... He took us. He struck the rock twice. He didn't speak to the rock. He hit it. He didn't just hit it once. And water came gushing out. But I'm going to tell you what. He said no to God's plan, and he paid for it. He did not get to go take the people into the promised land after all he had done to get them to the brink of crossing over. What did he do? He just said no to God's plan. You know, I think of Jonah. God had a plan for Jonah. I mean, we're talking about some main people in the Bible. God's plan to Jonah, go down, get your ticket, and go to Nineveh and preach repentance. What did old Jonah do? You know the story. He went down, bought his ticket, but he got a ticket going the opposite way to Tarshish. And he paid for it. He said no to God's plan, and he wound up in the belly of a fish. And it drove him to pray. I tell you what, if I was in the belly of a fish, I'd pray. You'd pray. But he first got himself in a mess. You just keep going through the Bible. Old King Saul, God, God told him, I want you to destroy all the Amalekites. They were enemies of God. I want you to kill every man, every woman, every child, every animal. I want you to just leave none. You remember what he did? He spared old King Agag. 
And it says he saved the best of all the animals for himself. And you know what? What he did, he just said no to God's plan. You can read the whole story in 1 Samuel. But he just said, he just said in 1 Samuel 15, very interesting. But boy, look what a price he paid. God said, no, no, no. I, I had a plan for you. I had a plan for you, Saul. But you have said no to my plan, and you will not remain king of my people. And you just keep reading the Bible. You know, God, God, uh, God said, God gave uh, Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5. They had a plan to be honest about money. And they, they said no. Both of them said no to God's plan. And they paid for it. They both died. It's, it's a frightening thing to read. And so as you read through the Bible, you, 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 read, you read about these people of God. These are real people. And some of them would call, you know, God's choice people. I mean, David, boy, you talk about a guy. The Bible says a man after God's own heart. But the fact of the matter is there were points in his life where he said no to God's plan. And, and he paid for it. And ultimately he repented. And God forgave him as he always does when we honestly repent. And, of course, David became one of God's, you know, main people in God's work. Well, you know, as I think about all that, the Bible, you've got a Bible, you have a Bible, and in the Bible, it's very specific, very clear about many of God's plans. And the fact of the matter is, just as it was for Mary, hear me, the choice is yours. It is. I, I first, I, can't, I should not and I cannot make you do what God wants you to do. But hear me. God's not going to force you to do it either. We're just in some way exactly like Mary. The choice is ours. The angel said, this is God's plan for you. And she said, let it be according to your word. <laughs> but she made a choice. You and I make choices. The Bible's filled with the plans of God. And hear me, there are consequences to your choices. There are. You, you may say, well, I'm getting by now. <laughs> the book's not finished, my dear friend. One day you and I will stand before God. And all these things we think we've snuck by on and said no to God's plans, we will be accountable. And we need to think about it. And I was just thinking about some of them. You know, God's John's preached for three Sundays what I thought was a really uh, very helpful series of messages on kindness. K-I-N-D, kind, be kind. The Bible says in Ephesians that we're to be kind to one another. That's God's plan, but like Mary, you don't have to be kind. I don't have to be kind. I have a choice. Now, there are consequences to my choice. The Bible says we're to forgive. That's God's plan. Some of you this morning, be honest. There's some people out there that you really have not been able or have not chosen to forgive. You say, well, no big deal. Well, what you're doing, when you don't forgive people, you're saying no to God in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, 
As you forgive others, your heavenly Father will forgive you. If you don't forgive others, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you of your sins. Folks, that's serious business. I encourage you this morning, don't, don't live another day. Don't let this day pass and you have unforgiveness for anybody. When you do, you're just saying, God, I know the plan is I forgive. Here's my answer. No, I'm like Mary. Choice is mine. I'll do whatever I want to do. Well, yeah, we can do whatever we want to do. God's not going to twist our arm. He's not going to force mankind, humankind to do anything. He gives us a choice. And he gives us the Holy Spirit to help us obey that choice. You know, God's plan is that he be the priority of your life. In Colossians, it says Jesus is preeminent. That means he's to be first. Well, that, that's the interesting. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. We put God first. Today, we put bukus of things first. If we're not careful, we do. Many won't be in church today because they put other things first. Now, that's not to say everybody not in church today is not being obedient. I mean, we, you, you get the point. The, the point is many are never in church. But what does God's Word say? God's Word says don't forsake yourself to sin with other believers. Well, yeah, but like Mary, you have a choice. We, we don't have to sin with other believers you know, we don't have to make God first. We, we rather go here, do that, whatever. And one Sunday, there's not much else on the agenda. We'll go down to church. Well, now you need to think about something. God makes his plans clear. And just like Mary, you have a choice. But there are consequences to those choices. God's, God says we're to pursue peace with all people. He says in that same verse, we're to pursue holiness. That's in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Without which no man will see God. But you don't have to pursue peace. You can just, you can just say, I'm not going I'm to ever try to make peace with that person. The Bible says as much as it depends on you, you maybe can't be at peace with everybody, but you need to do your part. Pursue holiness? Well, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm doing better than I used to do. Well, you know, we make up all these little things we say to ourselves, and sadly we begin to believe all those things. The Bible says it's God's plan. We not judge other people. Oh, my gracious. Mm. Jesus said, judge not for what you judge your shepherd. That's God's plan. We said, but I don't have to fool with that. See, when, when, we don't, when we judge other people, what we're doing, we're just saying, God, I know what your plan is, but no, I'm not going to do that. You know, God's plan, listen carefully. Like some other things I've mentioned, I won't probably get much response from this either. But I'm okay. I've been doing this a long time. I'm, going to, I'm not going to jump off a cliff. Listen to me. It's God's plan that you be a tither. Yes. But you don't have tithe. You don't have to give anything. But when you don't do what God says, I want you to at least have heard one time. You say, I don't want to hear it. Put your hand over your ears. For you're going to hear it. What you're doing, you're saying, God, I know what your plan is. But here's my answer. No. No. I'm not going to do that. And let me tell you, he's not going to hack your bank account. He's not going to pick your pocket. He never forces himself on anybody. 
He just gives us his plan. But like Mary, the choice is ours. You know what? It's God's plan. Hear me carefully that everybody be saved. The Bible says God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But you know what? There's some that say no, but aren't you thankful? John mentioned it earlier. I'll never forget that Sunday we had all those baptisms. Of course, we have baptisms most every Sunday, good number, but that one, 62 people that Sunday. And as we saw people coming, people cheering for people coming to make their decision. What those people were doing that day, they were saying yes. They were saying yes. Some of you this morning, hear me. You're not ready to step out in eternity. But listen to me, you will one day. You're not ready to die, but you will. If Jesus tarries, so will we all. And when we die, we step out into eternity. And here's the thing. This is what Christmas is all about. John said it well. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He didn't just dwell among us. He hung on a cross, died, shed his blood to pay for your sins and mine. That's how much God loves you. You want how you, here's how you measure love. You, listen to me. If you want to know about your measure of love for somebody, what does it cost? What does it cost? I'll tell you what it cost God. It cost God his son. He died for you. And this morning, in a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity because it's God's plan that you repent of your sins, trust him to be your savior. It's God's hope. It's God's plea that you'll say yes to that. But you don't have to. You can say no. But hear me. There are consequences to that, and they're bad. Bow with me. Father, you know, I read this Christmas story. I've heard it all my life. Been in church all my life, hearing the Christmas story, going to church at Christmas month, December, hearing the music, hearing the sermons. But God, the whole thing is, you loved us so much that you left heaven, came to earth, wrapped yourself in human flesh, lived among us, and then died on Calvary, shed your blood because you're not willing that any should perish. And Lord, I'm praying this morning that some here who would say, you know, I'm not a Christian. I've never made that decision. I've never said, let it be according to God's word for me personally. I've never said yes. I've never asked God, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life, make me a Christian. God, I'm praying this morning they'll say yes to that. And then, Lord, there'll be others here this day. They're just not sure. They, they're almost sure. But deep down in their mind, there's that worrisome doubt. Maybe I'm not a Christian. They just need to settle that today. On this first Sunday in December, a perfect day 
to just say, I'm going to settle my salvation today. So, Lord, I pray. I pray this morning the Holy Spirit will give courage and faith to admit that they need to be saved. They need to settle their salvation, and they do it. Now, with heads bowed, hearts open to the Lord, if you say, you know, I need to get this, I need to get this business handled, just pray this prayer in your heart to God. Just say, Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me. Thank you you've been patient with me. Thank you this morning, God, that I feel your spirit speaking to my spirit. And I'm asking you, God, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Make me a Christian. I trust you to save me. I settle my salvation today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In your name, I pray. Now, with heads still bowed, in a moment, I'm going to encourage those that prayed that prayer to just in a moment to stand up. I want to pray a prayer over you. This will be your confession. God will see you. God will see you. Jesus said if we confess him before men, he will confess us before the heavenly Father. But he went on to say, if we deny him before men, he will deny us before the Heavenly Father. So this morning, I'm praying that in this service, there are going to be those that say, you know what? I have trusted Jesus, but I need to make my public decision. God will see it. And the way we do it, we just ask people to stand. And so right now, where we are, God's people are praying. Who would be the first this morning to say, I'm not ashamed. I'm just going to stand up, and my stand is going to be my, my confession, my public confession of my faith. We'll just wait here. God bless you, brother. God, just remain standing. I want to pray over you. God bless you. Wonderful. Who would be next? Who would be next? I just believe it'd be others that today say, you know what? I've trusted Jesus, but I've never confessed him publicly. You can't have a better place than God's church to do that. Any others? Any others? Oh, God bless you. Way up there. Way up there. God bless you. God bless you. I want to pray over you. Just remain standing. Thank you for not being ashamed of God. Okay. Any others? Any others? Well, God, I see these two. Now, there may be others, there may be some watching, only you see God, but I see these two. And I pray your blessings over them both. I pray the Holy Spirit will give them today a peace because they've been obedient. They've said yes to what your Spirit has said to them. And may this just be the beginning of a new journey as the Holy Spirit continues to guide them and show them your plans. And thank you that your Holy Spirit empowers us to obey them and do them. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give these glory your hand. Now, I'm going to ask both of you, if you will, I'm going to ask you to do something. Don't worry, it's not going to, I'm not going to ask you to make a speech. But at the end of this service, Bobby, you'll help him, I know. 
at the end of this service, if you'll just go out in the commons and turn to the turn toward Fairmont, turn that way. Just right around the corner, there'll be ministers. There's a family they want to give you a Bible. This is a good Bible. And they want to write in your Bible about your decision, give you some material today. I hope you'll go. I hope you'll go. It's our gift to say thank you. It won't take five minutes if you'll go. Now, others, if you say, well, I'd like to join this church. I'm already a Christian. Just go down to the family room. What a great Sunday, the first Sunday in December, to be joining the church. Oh, I pray you'll do that. Well, I don't know about you, but I've had fun at church this morning. How about you? Let's just give God glory. I mean, there are a lot of other places out there where I guess we could all be, but I'll tell you what, there's nowhere I'd rather be than right where I am right now. And I thank the Lord you've been part with us. All right, we're going to stand. Jimmy, what do we need to do at this point? We need to stand. And we need to say, at this time, more than any other, what we're to be about as a church. Say it with me. What is it? To help all people experience new life in Jesus Christ. And one way you can do that is tell them about the tree and get them here. Let's sing together. Oh,